0: my friends at music maker podcast today we have the special guest christina Rot- rotondi from uh, torino italy directly to talk with us um, about this you know musical adventures online and we have my co-host here bruno rossetti and uh, we're gonna talk to her about so many things um that you know Hopefully, it's all gonna fit on this podcast. <laughs> um, maybe the first question we could um, make you, Christina, is uh, the one about um, how did I? You know, we were research a bit before we we do this podcast, and I had this. I, I read about this interview that you, you have this relationship, like since you're a child with music, and that's you know. <laughs> Fun because um, many times we, we talk here and um, w- we see that many people we interview, they first have this relationship with technology, and then afterwards with music. And uh, I see you are kind of the opposite. So tell us about the bit.
1: <laughs> yeah, actually that that's true. So uh, the story is that uh, I have a relative who is a piano tuner. So he has a laboratory, you know, with a lot of pianos and instruments. And when I was a very little child, like uh, three, four years old, I used to visit him and I was very curious about what he was doing. So there were so many pianos. I wanted to touch them all, uh, hear how they sounded and so on. Okay, so uh, basically at that time, I started taking music lessons. started taking piano lessons in a class with other children of my age. And uh, from that moment on, I continued uh, my uh, musical education until I was, let's say, 18, 19. So I even delivered some, uh, I uh, even uh, had some exams at the music conservatory. And then uh, when I started university, I decided okay, I have uh, higher chances to become a good engineer than a good pianist. And so uh, I stopped uh, taking piano lessons to uh, focus on on my. on my bachelor and master courses at university. But uh, I started singing as a soprano in a choir. Uh, So uh, I kept on singing with this choir for more or less 10 years. And actually uh, it was very interesting for me because uh, in connection to this choir, there was a musical association that was responsible for organizing uh, an international choir festival on a yearly basis uh, in in the area around Milan in Italy. So every year we had the chance to uh, meet so many singers from different nations all around the world, and sometimes also perform together because there were were also some kind of concert programs when uh, we were also involved. So it was a great opportunity to get acquainted with uh, the music world, let's say. And so, you know, in the meanwhile, I I concluded my studies, I started a PhD, uh, I'm a telecommunication engineer, so um, my research topic was uh, in that field. And at that time, I started thinking about uh, how to merge my interest for music and my uh, research activity. And so I came to the topic of network music performance, which I guess uh, will be the object of the... Conversation today,
0: yeah, for sure. Um, one thing that came came to mind when it's it's always good to ask these questions because of the inspiration and stuff. Um, I always like to to know a bit of the history because people who listen to us <laughs> say, "Hey, this is something I could do also," and and it's interesting. At at some time, um, you see, music has this thing which is. Um, I guess in the European tradition of, you know, uh, classical music and stuff, I think that's even maybe even different from Brazil, for example, uh, where you look at the musical side of things and, and, and how music touches each person, and sometimes you kind of make a decision, kind of a career decision, as you said, you know, maybe um, I'm not too sure if this, you know, looking at the situation of the mu- of music and markets and, and, and job markets and and then you have this decision where you say this is probably gonna give me more, um, um, I guess <laughs> opportunities. Uh, yeah, yeah, opportunities, revenues or whatever, and you kind of chose. Not to exactly uh, pursue a more musical career in terms of instrument, like, and, and but you, in some senses, I think you still pursue a career in music, but in, in other interfaces, I guess. But um, it's interesting just to 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 kind of ponder a bit uh, how music would be um, if we had a different notion of of the relationship of this virtuosity that is, is associated to, to music quality. And, and this is something that's very relevant for our talk because um, this necessarily virtuosity um, prone type of, e- excellent type of, I guess, this, this ideal of, of uh, this very good, Uh, musician who's very proficient at their instruments and stuff. Talented. Yes, and and this is something that kind of, um, I guess, maybe the question would be, um, is this something that's so strong that kind of steers you away from music instead of towards it, (laughs) I guess? (laughs)
1: Yeah. Okay. That that's a good point. Actually, uh, of course. I mean, if you want to have a, I guess, if you want to have a brilliant career in the, as a performer, you need to be very talented, right? Uh, at least in some in some uh, specific. Okay, if you are a soloist or if you are a solo performer. You must, of course, uh, reach some technical, very high technical level. Otherwise, uh, you have basically no chances. Um, in other contexts, for example, like choirs, uh, even if you are not uh, at, you are well trained, but not maybe at very high levels, you still may have very interesting uh, experiences. Also, I mean. You're remunerated, and uh, you have the opportunity to uh, improve because you get to know other people that are in the field, uh, you have interesting experiences and so on. Um, yes, what what I like about this is that uh, you know whenever you have a concert or you, you participate to a concert or you you uh, participate in the organization of a festival, you get to know so many people right. And it's very it's very uh, interesting to uh, learn about their backgrounds, their careers. Uh, I find it very interesting, like uh, being in the backstage of a concert itself. So, in in addition to you know enjoying the performance, it's very nice for me to attend to the rehearsals, uh, see the making of. Let's say. You learn a lot of stuff in this way, right? It's not just uh, the uh, final product that uh, the, the audience enjoys, but all the whole process of how maybe people that have never performed together start interacting with each other and uh, reach the right balance, the right tune, uh, the right uh, interplay, and so on. And also it's very interesting to know, you know, their past careers, uh, how they got to that point. It's uh, it's. always, uh, it's, curious, right? To, to ask questions and, and know the stories.
2: Yeah. Can I compliment, wow. Uh, wow. thanks, Christina, and thank you, Danielle, for the invitation to participate here today. And I'd like to ask you a question because I'm also a musician, but mainly a sound technician. I was, sure. I was just describing to Danielle that I'm overcoming the crisis of the song, let's say, when you leave, or you put a little bit aside this emotional, sentimental, you know, artistic feeling that music intrinsically being, brings to us, but at the same time, there's also a lot of poetry in technology, right? This is, I think, what you're, well, you well, you were saying. There's a lot of uh, small details that make a lot of difference, right? And you, we were studying your 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 paper about the deep learning approach of low latency packets. And this is just something very impressive because I think this goes specific, specifically to the core of what we're talking about. Like, uh, are we just, let me just make a joke. Are we just becoming like technology nerds to make music sound better in this 21st century? Is this like what dudes in the 18th century needed to do about violins and pianos, for example? And are we making the same thing they used to do, just like to make a, an impression to see what you think about?
1: <laughs> yes, actually, uh, the, the context of this of this study is uh, is a network music performance, as I mentioned before. So the main idea is to allow people that are located in different geographical areas to perform together in real time, as if they were in the same room, right? So yes, to support the same kind of, of interaction. And uh, of course, there are. Uh, this is tech- uh, a very uh, huge technological challenge because there are a lot of uh, different aspects that have to be um, guaranteed in order to ensure a realistic uh, interplay for musicians. And so the main point is, of course, uh, the delay needed to transmit the audio data from the source to the destination and vice versa. And this is due to the fact that, uh, OK, even in presence, uh, uh, you have musicians and performers that cannot be uh, so far away from each other. So yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. So in absence of a conductor, typically, the maximum distance is 10 meters, something like that. Um, because 30 uh, in or something, right? Exactly, exactly. Because the speed of uh, propagation of sound in air is three around 3 meters per second. So this means 30 milliseconds. Beyond that threshold, um, the performance start f- perceiving that the counterpart is late. So they don't manage to keep the tempo. They slow down. And of course, depending on the uh, rhythmic characteristics of the piece that they're going to perform, there might be a degradation in the performance. So this is something that we need to ensure when transmitting data uh, uh, between the two locations for the two musicians. And let's take a easy example of two musicians. Um, Uh, we have to ensure, right? And this is a very uh, tight um, threshold. Um, To make a comparison, now we are talking to each other using, uh, of course, an internal connection, and the um, delay tolerance is in the order of hundreds of milliseconds. So uh, even with some hundreds of milliseconds, we still perceive that we have a natural spoken interaction. But for music, it's one order of magnitude lower. And... um, this is of course technologically very challenging because uh, again we are limited by the speed of light most of, uh, first of all so uh, it takes uh, on an optical fiber if you have a a very long cable optical cable you take uh, 5 milliseconds to cover 1000 kilometers okay Whoa. so Already, you can you can understand that you cannot exactly connect two people on the two sides of the world and uh, assume that they will manage to to play together just because of this uh, unavoidable physical limitation. And in addition to the propagation delay, you have many other sources of delay. So you have uh, uh, the processing delay just to uh, for the acquisition of the audio signal. So from the microphone, you have an analog signal. It has to be sampled, quantized, uh, and uh, digitalized, and then it has to be uh, processed in order to be packetized and sent out on the network interface.
2: Right.
1: And uh, this also takes time. Some uh, again in the order of milliseconds, but at this point, every milliseconds count and uh, and then in the network you cannot assume that you will have a straight uh, uh, direct cable connecting every pair of users in the world but uh, you have the internet backbone infrastructure and it ha- it consists also on, of intermediate intermediate nodes that are the routers and when uh, packets with information arrives to r- arrive to routers they have to queue and wait to be processed until the processor is ready to to um uh, to process them. And this also introduces delay. So overall, all these contributions um, uh, are part of the final mouth to ear perceived delay. And uh, in order to make the interaction work, uh, you have to ensure you, you, you need somehow to control every single part.
2: Nice. Thanks for your answer. Just to compliment, sorry, Danielle, I, I was recovering an email I sent to Claudio you. Yes. In June. And I wanted to ask if you know him, did you get to contribute with him? It's definitely asking about Lola, right? It was actually the first software I heard about it in the early days of pandemic. And I started searching. I sent him an email and he was super gentle, super nice. He answered the email talking to me about like how many uh software i would be uh, or sorry hardware i would need the fi- optical fiber thing you were explaining so could you speak a little bit about that
1: yes yes i know i'm acquainted with uh, um, uh, claudia locchio we also co-authored uh, uh, one publication together so yes definitely he's one of the pioneers in this in this field in the field of network music performance he developed uh, a solution which is a commercial solution already And it's mainly tailored uh, for uh, musical institutions, so for conservatories and schools, not for uh, retail users. And this is due to the fact that uh, um, they stream uh, uh, both audio and video, and they stream uncompressed audio and uncompressed video in order to cut out the coding encoding latency due to the um, Mm -hmm. compression of images. So, but that requires
2: uh, a lot of hardware, right?
1: Exactly. That requires a specialized hardware and also um very high bandwidth in the order of one gigabit per second, which is typically what you uh, not what you get in a normal retail.
2: You only get in universities in Brazil. Exactly.
1: Exactly, and that's why uh, his his uh, solution is at uh, this point only usable in by by musical institutions, basically. Yes, there are other options uh, that are coming out in these, uh, especially in these months, because the pandemic was a great trigger for this kind of, uh, of solutions. And some are experimental, some are commercial, and they are more, um, let's say, oriented to retail use. And of course, there are, there are uh, different features uh, that uh, some of them support and some other do not. But uh, yeah, of course, it, it's, it's very difficult um, in my opinion, to, uh, so technology is ready, but there is still a lot of uh, there are still a lot of effort, efforts that have need to be uh, put in place in order to address all the requirements that would uh, uh, allow for a real, realistic musical interactions uh, at a distance. So these are the first attempts, let's say.
0: Yeah, the question I would have, I think that's a maybe the question which we could spend more time on um, is that he was, Bruno asked you about, um, you know, this colleague who's who's developing this uh, this tool um, called Lola, and and you did say that it's more it sounds a bit like it comes from the background of, of Jack Trick, which is an institutional thing for you know universities, with specific. And and um and I do remember that you collaborated um a couple of years ago on this you know very insightful paper, which kind of compares all the the, the music network, uh, um, arts that that tools that have been going on. And then, then you're talking today about these new ones that are coming out. Um, did you specifically participate in um, in designing uh, specific tools uh, during this, you know, last couple of months, maybe a year already of crazy, <laughs> crazy history going on?
1: <laughs> yeah, actually, there is a lot of. Uh, a lot going on uh, in the last, uh, there has been a lot going on in the past uh, months uh, in terms of development, uh, new ideas to be brought in the picture. So of course the basic basic functionality is the same. We need ultra low latency audio streaming. This is the main building block, right? But then on top of that, there are so many other things that a musician would need. Uh, So uh, video feedback is one of those. Uh, but it, there are others beyond that, right? So uh, you may need uh, a personalized metronome, you may need some kind of uh, interaction, for example, with a passive audience. Uh, there are several other aspects that uh, uh, you may need me, um, some tools to, you know, collaboratively annotate the scores, uh, uh, you know, if it's just not just a, a, a rehearsal, but it's also maybe a jam session, or you're trying to compose a new piece, and you, are, you know, at large, we should this kind of solution should support the daily job of uh, everyone that is in the music uh, in the music field. So, performers, uh, composers, uh, uh, teaching teaching schools, so music schools, so uh, every single actor uh, has its own needs, so the needs of, for example, of a teaching, uh, I don't know, um, of a class that teaches ensemble music is different from, are different from the needs of uh, um, soloist performance, which are again different than the needs of a large choir uh, or of an orchestra, right? So. Uh, there are mm-hmm. specific uh, characteristics and requirements that uh, uh, would need to be addressed by, let's say, a, a large-scale commercial solution, right? Mm-hmm.
0: So, of course, there uh, are many, many things. There, There's one specifically which I have seen that it's been, um, you know, people, lots of people are adopting it, which is... Um, did you happen to have any type of reviews or you know try to you know use a, a couple of them like Sonobus? And I had this this recently, I talked to a professor of um, in Argentina. He, he, he's also an engineer and a musician and he said, hey, we need to, to do something because, you know, Jack Trip doesn't work for, you know, Latin countries. We need to, to, to do this adaptation of, you know, real internet, you know?
1: Yeah, is- yeah. The, the difficult thing in of these you know, okay, Jack Trip uh, up to now uh, was mainly an experimental software. It's being commercialized in these very latest months uh, in some versions, but it's mainly an experimental project. And uh, so it's, I'm afraid, still uh, meant for people that play music, but also have uh, a background in computer science or in telecommunications. So there are several, okay, it's, it's not user friendly, let's say, uh, yes. Or up to up to the point of being ready to be used by uh, you know the seven, 65 year old the violin classical violin uh, player who, uh, musician who, who is not uh, uh, acquainted with technology. So of course uh, one step forward would be uh, making uh, designing an application uh, for uh, network music performance that is also usable by a, a wider range of, of users, so from children to, you know, uh, people that do not have a, a large uh, technological background. And of course, then there are some technical requirements that are are unavoidable at the moment. So if your natural bandwidth at home is not uh, sufficient, you will never get a sufficiently good audio quality, and that that's a fact, right? So it's a combination of, of several factors.
2: I wanted to uh, ask you something, just more of a provocation. Um, I'm thinking about everything you're talking about and making some connections with the tuning. Uh, well, the 440 tuning we came up years ago, and I'm thinking about like, aren't we? Aren't you kind of working in a in a actually like technological tuning, let's say? Uh while for example, I I, I'm recording recording or I'm remembering myself as a kid in early 90s where we didn't have tuners, like digital tuners or online tuners, and I would take my guitar lessons at like nine-year-old, and if my guitar teacher didn't tune my guitar during the week, I would have a hard time trying to tune it because there wouldn't be Enough technical, you know, tools to help me get to that. So I'm just making this analogy. Do you think it makes sense?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I'm also very aware of these uh, of these aspects because I remember my my relative tuning the pianos in the late '80s, mm-hmm. in the '90s. There were no digital tuners, right? When the first one came, it was a great revolution. I still yeah. remember. He showed me this this box. And he told me, "Be careful! Don't touch it because it costs a lot." And he showed me oh, how yeah. how it should have should have been used. And of course, it was a revolution for him. He allowed him to save a lot of time. So I, I perfectly have this kind of, of similar memories. Let's say, yeah. So uh, le- yes, of course, uh, we are more or less. I, I think that the analogy the analogy holds. So we are more or less at the same at the same point. We have them. Now technology is ready to support this kind of interactions because uh, uh, we have the promise also with 5G te- technologies to basically uh, allow ultra low latency applications, not only in the music sector, of course, in a wide range of sectors from uh, telemedicine, telesurgery surgery to, uh, I don't know, uh, video gaming and uh, many other med- uh, many other things, also algorithmic trading or whatever. So there are a plethora of, of different applications that require ultra-low delay. Uh, so uh, we, uh, we have the proof because uh, so many experiments have already been done to show that it's possible to play together from distance. But uh, of course, uh, uh, there is still a long path uh, before reaching a point where uh, this will become the, the everyday reality for for uh, uh, a mass of users. I hope to they, they will come soon. I mean, this moment will come soon,
2: yeah. of It's still too expensive to let our younger relatives touch it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly.
0: Continue the analogy. Um, I would uh, ask you specifically, uh, try to kind of be more specific in the question, for this thing that you you kind of brought up also in a couple of talks you have done, which is you know help musicians rehearse you know from a distance you know and, and actually have this need of you know playing together in the most sync possible, and um, from that aspect, do you do you feel that it's possible to have um, in any of those new because I actually um, researched the all the comparative charts that that you you you've done with all the tools that were available at the time in, in two thousand and sixteen and and um I guess this chart would be greatly expanded today. However, um, for example, Sagora, which is this thing that I, uh, this this tool that I just talked about this this researcher, in Argentina, and uh, he used the Jamulus, you know, already done code, and he, he used this um, the, the, the the audio engine that was already done a couple of years ago, and they're like mostly, you know, he, what he said he did is he tweaked a bit the code for low low bands, you know, for. Mm-hmm broadbands that are not broad, <laughs> that are narrow bands of, of internet and make that more efficient. And that's, you know, his big innovation in, in the software and also user friendly. Um, but the question is, um, do you know of any other uh, type of developments that have some kind of breakthrough going on in, in terms of, of this? you know, specific possibilities.
1: Yeah, I think that uh, the next um, huge, uh, let's say, advance in this field would be to uh, integrate uh, this kind of software with uh, wireless 5G networks. So at this point, one of the main limitations is that uh, we cannot, uh, if you are at home or even at university, you shouldn't use a Wi-Fi connection. Uh, from mm-hmm. uh, your uh, mm-hmm. microphone, your device, uh, your electronic device, to the router, because by itself uh, the awesome. uh, latencies introduced by the Wi-Fi are already uh, exceeding by f- uh, by large uh, the the, toler- the delay tr- tolerance threshold that we have to, to we have to ensure to maintain uh, the right musical interplay. And of course, this is limiting because maybe you don't have the router in the same, uh, a, a few meters far from your uh, drum set or your piano, or you just want to, you know, move to your rehearsal room with other people. And uh, so portability is still an issue. I believe that once 5G networks will be available, I, I mean, the coverage of 5G networks will be uh, large enough to, uh, to allow for the majority of the population to, to connect and to use them. And uh, integrating a five G transceiver in whatever device you are using to stream your your audio uh, signal would be a, a, large, uh, a large step towards uh, a more uh, towards ease of use. Let's say.
0: Mm-hmm. And um, just you know, just to go wild now in the imagination. <laughs> we do. We always talk about this when when we talked about you know music network and music which is the the you know imp- uh, impedity of the of the you know speed of light and just you know to go wild here in the imagination is it possible to think about um some other way of you know of transmitting data that kind of you know okay we do know about fiber optics. It, it's done with light, so yeah, we have the speed of light. But maybe there are other types of possibilities <laughs> of, of, of Those... data going around the world.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Those are yet to come, but uh, if we want to be very visionary for a uh, not so near future, we could imagine, for example, without needing the, to beat the speed of light, we could imagine artificial intelligence. Being somehow able to, uh, you know, anticipate what the musician would do ahead of time,
0: and then produce
1: exactly through machine learning, and so uh, uh, produce uh, a good estimation of what the musician would uh, is about to play with some tens or hundreds of milliseconds of uh, of anticipation. So they basically you compensate the delay introduced by the speed of light. Of course, this would be, at this point, uh, we, we uh, consider machine learning techniques uh, just to refill the, uh, the, the gaps you know, uh, in the audio stream. So if some packets are late, And you don't want to buffer too much because otherwise you add, uh, you increase uh, delay with a buffering delay. So you have holes in your uh, and gaps in your audio stream. And uh, also in coding techniques, there are, of course, there there is the state of the art has a lot of of studies in in coding and and packet loss concealment techniques, but also coding, decoding, and encoding takes time and so it adds up to the latency. So we can already figure out machine learning techniques to uh, patch the corrupted audio, audio uh, in real time, so without basic, without uh, having to uh, add additional latency for the traditional, let's say, packet loss concealment techniques. But uh, of course, uh, imagining a, 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 an algorithm that is capable of completely anticipating what the user would do, what the player would do, is uh, at the moment a bit visionary but i would say that in my lifetime i w- we will, will come to see them <laughs> in <Yeah>. our lifetime
2: <laughs> great we, um, we need to bring nikola tesla back from the grave
1: uh,
0: yes, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um the i would just to to sum sum up a bit of her talk um have you uh, actually besides you know developing coding and you know doing all, all this lots of very interesting and intense research um in the maybe around the, the idea of choirs and stuff have you participated on this um, artistic and experiments that you know that are very interesting that you maybe that you know of that maybe we don't, so <laughs> you could talk a bit um, about um, if you have this opportunity to, to see something um, that's been done, which is very interesting. And a second question that goes with that is um, maybe just to think about and, and, and maybe inspire also this idea of what type of interactions um, that can happen in this medium of, of network music, instead of, you know, which is better than real-time music. I mean, like people in, a, sure. in the same room. <laughs> what yes. type of thing that, that's, you know, it's additional. It doesn't, you know, take oh, away yeah. this experience, yeah.
1: Yeah, so actually, um, I had the chance, in my university, We um, Arranged uh, a distributed concert, which took place uh, one month ago or less, and so we had musicians from three different locations. It was uh, Turin, uh, Munich in uh, in Germany, and Stanford, in the US. So we had people in three in these uh, three different geographical areas, and we we had basically a, a classical music concert, um, mainly. A classical program, so I was the responsible of this project, uh, and so it was uh, uh, very interesting, you know, bec- to uh, not only supervise the technical setup in the free locations, but also uh, participating to the rehearsals and uh, having a look and supervising, let's say, the interactions between the musicians. Uh, um, they, it was were professional musicians. And even we had a vocal group from Germany, which is the, the leading vocal group, German vocal group at the moment uh, on the scene. So they, were, they are very well known. And uh, so it was a very useful experience because we uh, could better understand what are the needs, the specific needs of, of the performers, which are uh, maybe not so immediate to, to understand by the, the technical staff, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so. One thing that I believe so that's one comment you know with delay, you perform beautiful ralentando uh, because yes. if you uh, you ha- you need to compensate the delay somehow. so you try to anticipate a little bit the counterpart, especially if uh, if the distance is like between stanford and and uh, and Turin, so it's ten thousand kilometers. so we had definitely some uh, more than hundred milliseconds of delay. And uh, so if you, then, okay, you you try to compensate and anticipate a little bit what the other person is doing in order to keep the tempo as stable as possible. But if you don't do that and you really react after, uh, uh, when you really hear what, uh, what the counterpart is doing, then you tend to slow down. And if you uh, continue in that way, you get a great rallentando because you tend to decrease. <laughs> So that's a funny thing. It, yeah. it, it comes better than than in reality, right? So if you if you were in the same room, because then you should somehow uh, arrange that in advance. Uh, of course, there are other uh, uh, the other side of the the other side of the coin is that uh, it's uh, it's typically more demanding for for musicians, you know. Um, uh, performing in this kind of situation because the delay has an impact of course so it it cuts a little bit all the possibility or possibilities of you know interpretation the freedom that you would take you know in uh, in some uh, expressions because you need to pay more attention to the thing uh so that's one thing um another thing i believe uh is that uh, with uh i mean being able to perform at a distance would enable collaborations that would wouldn't be likely to happen in person, right? Mm-hmm. If you need to travel 500 uh, kilometers to meet someone and just maybe you know get to know him and have uh, some explorative uh, uh, ensemble performance together, maybe you wouldn't do it. But if it's just a matter of turning up your computer and you have all your instrumentation, your instrument you are used to play with and so on, maybe it would be uh, easier and uh, and also economically uh, less expensive, right? And one thing I, I have always been very, um, uh, very impacted with is that uh, we are used to see musicians and and singers on the stage, and you know they smile, they are happy to sing for the uh, for the um, uh, audience. But uh, not every one of us is aware of the life that is on the backside of that. So the hours of traveling that they need to to have in order to gather to the in the same place have their rehearsals, then maybe you know, it's a tour, so, uh, five or transportation, six, logistics. Exactly, exactly. So all these point delays, uh, the, the flight, the train, uh, you arrive uh, already tired uh, at the place where you have to rehearse and then in the evening you have to perform and then you stay up till late at night mm-hmm. and the day after you continue another, another flight and so on and so forth and the story goes on. So it's a, it's, it's a stressful life and we don't, we don't really perceive it, right? So, uh, of course, uh, you cannot. Uh, probably, the majority of pro- professional musicians would not substitute entirely, you know, uh, um, performing in presence with uh, uh, performance from distance. But it would save, uh, uh, anyway, a good, a good deal of, of money and, and time. And the same is for teaching, right? Uh, think about uh, giving possibility to children uh, talented children from from maybe countries less developed countries to have uh, you know the possibility of uh, taking lessons with uh, very you know, the, the professionals without the need to move to another nation or uh, you know or to travel or even of course when you when you reach a, a certain level you want maybe to uh, to be trained by someone who is really the top uh uh, top performer in a specific style and a specific instrument, and maybe he lives in the other, on the other side of the world, right? And uh, you, maybe you don't want to <laughs> change your life completely, move um, and uh, uh, set a line in another nation or another, another country just to, to, to improve your training. So for all these aspects, I believe that uh, uh, distance inter- uh, musical interactions would be of great help. And open a lot of new perspectives
0: yeah i was curious about uh, what 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 went right and what went wrong when this when you did this a month ago how did that work you could tell us everything that worked very badly just don't we won't tell anybody <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah so it wasn't an easy an easy process of course so we had a lot of purely technical uh, rehearsals so just uh, you know just the audio engineers and uh, the um, IT staff just to be sure that the connection was stable was working that the audio quality was good uh, and the acoustic scenes were good and so uh, once we had everything stable uh, we could involve the musicians and uh, the majority of them had never tried uh, performing uh, at distance before so it took them time to adjust because of course I, we we explained them in advance what uh, uh, they should expect so in terms of latency so it's not like performing in person so you have to consider that we, you will have the feeling that the counterpart is late you have to uh, so in, in some, take some kind of countermeasure, So you have to anticipate what the other person is doing. And of course, you don't have the fe- the, the real uh, feedback of mm-hmm. what the, u- the, the um, audience will hear. Because Actually, uh, did it they use, of...
0: everybody had headphones? Uh,
1: uh, that, that is another interesting point. So we had uh, um, a, a vocal ensemble on one side mm-hmm. in Munich. Uh, someone performed a soloist, and then we have a, a piece with the whole vocal ensemble. On the other side, we had uh, a trio, so piano, um, violin, and cello. And we also had a uh, um, soloist in, uh, in Stanford, again, with a cello or with a violin. So for the trio, they, they tried different combinations. And in the end, they decided that only the piano, the pianist wanted to keep the headphones on. And the two strings preferred to not hear at all the singers and just synchronize with the pianist, with the because the piano right. was, the leading, let's say, the leading instrument. And so they per- they preferred not to be, let's say, distracted uh, by the late uh, feedback mm-hmm. from the singers, and they just preferred to, to do that. Uh, on the other side, the, the singers wanted, of course, to hear the feedback, otherwise they wouldn't uh, have been able to sing. But on only one in only one year, so they, they kept you know the, the headphones mm-hmm. a little bit uh, in the wrong place, so that they had nice uh, a free exactly no. <laughs> a free ear to uh, to listen directly to the the uh, ensemble sound uh, when they they were performing as a, as an ensemble. So yes, this was also a very interesting uh, um, aspect because uh, uh, we realized that you should give uh, each user. The uh, flexibility to adjust his own mix uh, in order to have uh, uh, a customized uh, uh, feedback of what is happening.
2: Interesting. So, yeah, yeah. I think this is. the It looks like uh, no matter what, we're not going to be able to make it as close to reality. We need to face it as something different, like. You know, it's it's a different type of performance, we shouldn't be thinking about it, or, or I'm thinking about it, as a substitution, it's something that we need to deal with it, just like, for example, drum machines came up, we started dealing with them, uh, super easy sampling things, I don't know.
1: Yeah, at the moment, I, I mean, it'll, uh, unless uh, the the performance are really, really close to each other, and you and they have a very optimized hardware, so that re- really you keep twenty latency, then that's okay. Basically, they will feel almost no 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 different, but um, no difference. But still, they should be used to you know have the headphones, uh, uh, have the computer in front of them, uh, look at the other at the counterpart through the webcam, and not. Presence and the video is not synchronized with the audio because the latency for the video is much higher it's than the higher, audio. Yeah. So you sure. cannot uh, um, rely on on visual cues like, for example, taking breath at the beginning, you know, just to uh, start uh, in, uh, in sync, or uh, whenever you take some freedom from the score, like rallentando uh, uh, or. Uh, uh, and ad libitum or whatever so uh, all these kind of things uh, have to be adjusted uh, if you go beyond that so you also if you really also have to cope with the delay then you have somehow to compromise so um, of course the choice of the repertoire is, here is important so in our concert when we had to choose the repertoire for the um, performance performance between Stanford and and uh, Turin or Stanford and Munich Of course, we had to choose the suitable uh, uh, pieces with low, very low tempo and uh, very steady. So that could be uh, better suited to uh, 100 milliseconds latency. And we also had a kind of improvisation uh, piece uh, where we had the, um, actually, a cellist, Professor Chris Trafe. He's uh, the the director of yeah. the Center for Computer Research in Music and Acoustics at Stanford. So he's, he was one of the performers. He was also the, the main uh, inventor of Jack Ripper. So, yes. um, he's a very experienced. So he was playing a uh, Dilruba, so, which is a sort of cello, but it's, it's a, an ancient uh, traditional uh, Indian instrument. So yes. it's, it's similar to a cello, but it has a very peculiar uh, timbre and sound. And he was improvising on top of um, uh, a Renaissance music vocal piece, so it was a Palestrina piece uh, that was executed by the vocal ensemble. So, and they had this kind of uh, very, uh, let's say, uh, particular mix of the uh, sonorities and timber, and also, you know, the idea of mixing different styles because you had Renaissance music and then had this kind of improvisation. And of course, this uh, was a good choice for the kind of setup that we had with the latency and so on, because uh, there was a kind of you know the part where the, the ensemble had his so let's say solo part, and then the dilruba came in, and there was a kind of a question and answer, you know, an, alter- an alternance of uh, different of the, two, of the two performers, and then they had a point where they overlapped and they played uh, together. So it was really it was really interesting to see these dynamics.
0: Yeah, so that's uh, the, the bad parts and the good parts. Uh, yes. actually this this last comment uh, goes a lot into my next question, which is um, maybe we could talk a bit more about it, which is this um, this you know known philosophical issue of, of technological determinism uh, which kind of um, sets up, set us up for for specific kind of aesthetics and um, choices, I guess, artistic choices. Uh, So, so you already kind of said that, you know, for this, we always kind of say, okay, what's going to work well with this technology? Coming from this technology, what types of possibilities, artistic possibilities can come from that? you did say something about not having like a very steady tempo or a very high bpm which is kind of hard to, to to maintain sync and stuff and um so so another question which you know could come with that is if you kind of envision uh artistically some kind of possibility that you you think that would be very interesting and um and we haven't tried yet. <laughs> Maybe you want to, you know, call a couple of friends and say, "Hey, do this. This is a great idea. You know, I want to see this happen."
1: Yeah. Well, one, if you think about uh, this more about this is more about composition and improvisation. Um, if you consider a delay as a an ingredient of the performance itself, right? So if you if you make it become something that is part of the improvisation of the moment, it's a uh, one more one more thing, let's say, into the scene, and uh,
2: um, out of context, or, but like yeah. The music.
1: yeah. So so for example, uh, this was a, an anecdotic uh, uh, tale that uh, Professor Chafe told me. So uh, he told me that uh, the origin of Jack Trip, the real origin of Jack Trip, was that he wanted. To uh, implement a way to test the latency of an internet connection, uh, and to give uh, an immediate feedback about how good or bad the latency was, and so the idea is was to um, convert the numerical value about the latency in a, a tune of a different pitch. So, for example, mm-hmm. the higher the tune, the higher the latency. And so, what you for every packet you can measure, you, you know, the round trip time. Uh, with a pink commands this is this is uh, a standard thing so uh, if you you know convert all this se- this sequence of numbers uh, in sounds what you get is a kind of 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 melody let's say you
0: you, uh, mm-hmm.
1: you hear somehow how the latency evolves throughout uh, how a how the time. network
0: sounds how the exactly. latency of na- the exactly. network sounds
1: the, the sound of the network exactly so uh, uh, one could go along this, uh, this strategy, right, and uh, consider that latency is something that plays a role into the, into the, the improvisation or into the composition. For example, you could think about uh, having some kind of echos that uh, so you have a, a kind of look back interface and uh, you get back what you play with a latency that is equal to the round-trip time of the network and maybe uh, the counterpart uh, uh, counterparts add uh, some uh, some uh, I don't know reverb or some uh, effects uh, that changes somehow what you were uh, alters what you were playing and you get some kind of feedback in this way right and this could become a kind of uh, an, an instrument itself yes. right yeah. a new instrument. Which could be collaboratively played, right? You could you could send the same information to multiple uh, receivers, and they could each one, each of them, could uh, may, apply some little change or uh, increase further the delay if it wants, uh, and you know,
0: mess around same with it. it. <laughs> exactly, <Yeah>. exactly. <laughs> um, Uh, I have, like, this very practical question, which, you know, people definitely are very interested in. Uh, You you are, you know, I I know it's a bit hard for for you because you're, like, in the cutting edge of this technology and very specialist, but, you know, people kind of, you know, have to choose, you know, it's like, I want to do something, you know, I'm a very... You know not very technological savvy person i just want to play with a couple of friends do you think you know it's better to do with you know jam Kazam or sonobus or you know s- one specific tool that's out there
1: um it's difficult to give advice on this because it, yeah. it, it, it depends a lot on the on the technical background of the person I, for example i would not suggest uh, um uh, Jack trip unless you are very yeah, familiar with sure. uh, with the you know uh, computer setup, uh, how to uh, configure router, how to choose the right uh, uh, parameter combination in in uh, Jacktrip itself, it's not even it doesn't even have a visual interface, so it's all command line, so it yeah. definitely it's definitely not user friendly. Um, Jamulus is a bit better in this sense because it has uh, some kind of, of a visual interface, but it's still very primitive. So again, all this, this kind of, uh, of non-commercial uh, uh, tools are all, I'm afraid, still meant for uh, someone who has a background in, in, in IT. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are, of course, uh, um, commercial solutions that uh, uh, up to some extent try to bridge this gap. So try to uh, make uh, the technology more usable to a uh, general public. So, uh, and also offer some kind of features like uh, Jamkazam has some, some kind of social side, right? Because you yes. have community, so it's easier to find other people that uh, Set up their own profile. Uh, exactly, that are subscribed. Uh, maybe the, uh, the counterpart is that, uh, so the other side of the coin is that you have to uh, sometimes buy your their own hardware so this, of course, uh, requires a monetary investment, which is a bit higher than simply downloading Jamulus or Jack Trip and use it because that's were free. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, there are pros and cons. Um, I believe that, uh, you know, in time, we could figure out a kind of uh, something al- like Facebook, but dedicated to, you know, the music world. Something like you have a, a large network of, of musicians worldwide that could interact with each other and perform together and have a, a, an audience that listens to their performances. Um, but it is something that will, in my opinion, come relatively soon. Maybe not now, maybe not in six months. But uh, I believe that in the time frame of years, we will see something like that.
2: Do you think this is a natural way of becoming a social media? Because that would be great, actually, if we could, for example, jam a little bit now during the conversation. Or... Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, no. of course. Yes, it, it, I believe that this is, uh, this is possible. This is something that is, is going to come. Maybe not now, exactly, maybe not in the few months, in the next few months. So not as a, a, an immediate reaction to the pandemic, to be, to be very practical. But uh, I I don't see why it shouldn't come in the next year.
2: I think it's very interesting what you're saying because Jam Kazem is the only one I have spent a bit more time on it. Yep. And I actually set up my own profile. Uh, one day I just opened a session and some guy from the Netherlands just joined and we started jamming. <laughs> and then I started looking for some other people and people really set up like, oh, I play only bluegrass. I play only jazz music it's open you and I think it's it, it really meets what you're talking about, like having yeah. a Facebook for musicians.
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. So of course, uh, yes, definitely Jam Kazam goes uh, makes a first step into uh, in that direction. And I know a bit of uh, a couple of other other um, projects that are similar to that to that. Uh, maybe one is sofa session. Maybe it's not uh, active again now, I'm not uh, I'm not completely sure. Uh, and there are there's maybe a couple of others, uh, and which you know uh, uh, consider a bit of the social social part connected to to uh, metal music performance, and uh, yeah, th- these are in my opinion all preliminary trials of what c- could be, but uh, uh, you, you know if you consider Facebook or I don't know Instagram or whatever, Facebook didn't become immediately the mass phenomenon that we know now so it took years uh, for people to you know join and make such a large community because uh, at the beginning simply uh, the technology was not available to everyone so Having an internet connection at home was not something uh, in the 2000s in the or something was not uh, was not something that uh, you could take for granted. And now everyone has uh, the mobile phone, the laptop, uh, the tablet, and uh, we
0: are
1: connected for hours the day.
2: Maybe with the 5G, then you think we could sort of embed this software into a browser tab, for yeah, example. Definitely.
1: Definitely, this is something that uh, is already envisioned, at least uh, in, in in the uh, research world. And this, of course, the idea of embedding a, a solution for natural music performance in a in a, so, in a browser is something that uh, would, is very appealing, because it would uh, basically get rid of any other software that you need to install and configure, right? No. And
0: um, it's a bit th- better.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So there are. It's an open research uh, point. Um, I have colleagues uh, in Turin who have attempted uh, make some very preliminary trials in this sense uh, with uh, uh, encouraging results. But it's a very, let's say, a line of research which is still in its uh, infancy. It's at least what uh, I'm aware of, uh, which is publicly shared research maybe Google mm-hmm. or or I don't know other other brands such like that have their own research line which are not uh, yet disclosed
0: Nice, that's amazing uh, it's, it's been a great talk uh, I thank you very much if um, I have uh, I think for the podcast we already have like um, we're done in terms of, <laughs> of content <Yeah. laughs> but um, I do have a maybe, i'm doing this you know research uh, specifically it's kind of off topic but in it's, in some ways it's the same topic always <laughs> because it's about music and technology and uh maybe i i would you know ask you another question which has you know it's a bit further from from this topic but i think it's it's going to be fun to to hear you um you see i, I i've been researching uh, about this relationship is the intersection of of music and um, i guess of, of music education and technology more specifically uh this technology where you have this um you you specifically have been dealing with it for a long time because of your background of computer science and engineering and stuff which is what we call generally um, has been called like the maker culture, you know, the things that happen around campus party and stuff like that. And um, there's this thing about this this um, idea of putting your hands on and trying things out and, you know, reiterating and, you know, it's, it's all about, you know, process that uh, you very you're probably very familiar with it since your 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 studies you know in the beginning of your and this tinkering and tweaking about things um it's something that i've been trying to make a connection with doing that with actually being a more musical or having this protagonism in, in the musical and, and trying to to see what a musician um, learns. What how do you become a better musician by doing that? And you're probably a very interesting person to to to, to ask you because you have this, you know, both of these backgrounds of, of, of a more technical, you know, hands-on kind of acoustic instrument. And and there are lots of at least you you, you know of maybe you're not you know you don't play with them but lots of your friends probably play with digital instruments that are being created every day and 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 how about this you know transition and and how does these two worlds connect and more specifically um, do you actually feel that you can become a better musician mm-hmm. by doing this type of um, work that has a lot to do with you know programming and learning <laughs> and everything about the digital world. Do you become a better musician by doing
1: that? Yeah. Sorry, I have to plug my the recharger of my computer, otherwise <laughs> I lose the connection. Okay. So uh, yeah. So definitely, I believe that uh, that this kind of uh, um, technologically related experiences are very useful also for uh, musicians. Um, There are different uh, attitudes towards this. So there are more conservative uh, positions. It's like, okay, music is the classical music with the, you know, a uh, traditional instrument, maybe it's uh, a Stradivari violin that uh, is taken out uh, positively for the concert and then it has to be kept uh, in a safe place because otherwise it gets uh, ruined by you know dust and so on. So this is, of course, uh, one approach which is very pragmatic and uh, um, maybe not so open to uh, technological uh, contamination. But uh, um, I've heard of a lot of, uh, of positive experiences uh, regarding that. For, so for example, I visited a few, a few months, so before the beginning of the pandemic, I visited the Conservatory of Milan. And they told me, you know, we have Lola already set up. And uh, we use it for uh, master classes with Copenhagen. And you know, the students are happy. They don't complain at all. And maybe the, the teachers do because they are 50 or 60 years old, and they are not (laughs) acquainted with, you know, using technology and so on. But the students who are 15 or 20 years old, they're so happy, they have a large screen, they even see each other uh, in the, you know, uh, realistic sights, they can look at each other, they interact normally. And so they said that it was a very positive experience. Uh, So, yeah, I definitely also think about, uh, yeah, you mentioned the digital instruments. So think about the, uh, okay, there is a very popular, I don't want to to say the name of the brand, but there is a a very popular um, piano producer, which has uh, a a product, uh, basically a piano, which also transmits uh, uh, using the MIDI format, the data over the network, so that if you have a second piano uh, on uh, in another geographic location, you can basically transmit the commands, the MIDI commands, and you have the 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 key uh, the keys of the uh, of the piano moving to replicate what the uh, the artist is doing remotely, right? And you play an instrument from distance, basically. Nice. So uh, Jordan
2: roots de- developing that.
1: Uh, I'm I'm aware of the okay. Uh, let's say uh, I'm a, I'm aware of the Yamaha clavier <laughs> so uh, you know so that, that's the typical thing that uh, that uh, you, the typical instrument that uh, that is used for that is kind of of uh, um, performances so you can have the instrument on one side and then you play on the other side and uh, uh, you hear the, the real it's not a, a recorded sound you hear the real sound of the instrument without no one playing it
0: okay no, without no, anyone
1: playing it, In in person. In front of you. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. exactly, And it's already used for teleauditions or or whatever. So uh, these are all things that uh, were not even thinkable a few tens of years back. And uh, these are now possible. So I believe that, uh, you know, technology always opens uh, a lot of uh, uh, new perspectives that uh, uh, wouldn't have been conceived by musicians, by themselves and uh, then it, in time they may become part of their routine why not
0: yes uh, i i was thinking uh, along these the lines of you know a person who's you know maybe i don't know eight Sorry. or ten years old or maybe i don't know 15 and they're having their first contact with music and they, they you know think it's interesting. They hear some good bands and you know in Spotify or whatever. And then hey, I I want to you know do this music thing. And then they have this iPad and they have this you know whatever tablet and, and all these things that, and, and they have all these apps and they have all, <laughs> and and then they they just start to, to want to learn music. And and they hear about this hacking, you know, hackathon thing where they go, they have lots of Arduinos and whatever, and you know, you know, PD patches and stuff. And 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 they're starting their musicianship from this, you know, all these possibilities and tools. And and this idea is the idea behind my my research is to try to measure. How much of a musicianship he can, this person can develop with all these tools and this mindset of of programming, and so so this is, you know, a whole new talk for us. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, definitely, (laughs) this opens. Yes, we could spend hours talking about this, of course. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's uh, it's in contamination between, you know. uh, Music-related uh, uh, subjects and technology-related subjects uh, subjects is very useful in general, I believe. Which, uh, of course, uh, it spans a lot of, of different topics. So just think about acoustics, right? Uh, a musician would benefit a lot of having some technical notions about acoustics, right? So how the sound pro- uh, produced by the instrument is propagate propagates uh, in uh, in the environment. How it is uh, uh, reflected by the and and uh, let's say um, uh, yeah modified by the conformation of the room itself. How to where uh, to place uh, the the other musicians? Where to place the microphones? Where to place the loudspeakers? Right? It's something that okay you have technicians that do that at some level. But even if you are with your friends and uh, and you just want to you know to have fun and play together or play for a small audience. Uh, Of course, if you can achieve a good uh, good, technically high level, it's always a plus, right? So this is one thing. And of course, uh, uh, now technology gives uh, a lot of support also to to, um, uh, children and uh, very young students to uh, learn faster and better with respect to the past, right? So you can only think about uh, how many uh, great tutorials by uh, very famous performers and musicians you can access maybe even for free just by connecting to to the internet. Of course, it doesn't uh, uh, um, substitute uh, uh, the the, inter- the real interaction with a teacher, but uh, it's a anyway it's a great source of additional information that can complement uh, the training of of a person, right? Uh, if you think about uh, my childhood and the childhood of all the music students uh, uh, that came before me, uh, you had to go and buy the CD or even the, the, the disc if you wanted to, to listen to uh, one famous performance performing the piece that you were going to study, right? Nowadays, we just go on, on YouTube and we have tens of, of different uh, uh, executions of the same piece. So, of course, I, uh, I think that no one denies all the possible uh, positive impacts that technology leads to, to music teaching and music
0: performing. Yeah, I, I guess um, it's it's going to be a long journey. Yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> definitely. But it's going to be great.
1: Definitely, definitely. Uh,
0: so I thank you very much. Um, if you wanted... Um, See in this interview is I always do this. Uh, we ask all the questions, but sometimes the interview we wants to ask questions. So of course we're not specialists. Uh, uh, Bruno's a bit more than I am. <laughs> but uh, but definitely if, if you wanted to ask something and, and, and in general, just invite you to, to keep contact and and definitely it will be I a wanted pleasure. To... <laughs> it
1: would be a pleasure, definitely
0: yeah i have a couple of of updates that i want to ask you very you said a couple of new tools are coming out more commercial that you know Mm -hmm. definitely i want to hear about them maybe we should keep on contact with that i will
1: i will definitely
0: (laughs) and thank you very much um it was great it was very inspiring i thank you a lot bruno also for this you know great questions and and talk
1: thanks a lot to you for your. very pleasant uh, interaction and and, uh, very interesting questions that you raised.
0: Thank you very much. So have a great day.
1: You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks.
1: Bye. Bye.